0: Stay Current is an audio publication designed to keep healthcare professionals up to date with standards of care and new emerging ideas. These podcasts are designed to keep healthcare professionals current while on their commute. Stay Current is created and edited by Todd Ponsky and Nicholas Bruns in partnership with Globalcast MD and is recorded and produced at Akron Children's Hospital in Akron, Ohio. Welcome to Stay Current in Pediatric Surgery. Today we're gonna to be talking about anal rectal malformations, a common problem that all of us have to deal with and sometimes can be quite tricky. And today we have a definite expert in the field, Dr. Andrea Bischoff, who is a pediatric surgeon at University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and a member of the Alberto Pena Colorectal Center. She's assistant professor at University of Cincinnati And Andrea, we want to definitely welcome you to uh, help shed some light on this difficult topic. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you very much. I'm very excited.
0: So let's dig right into it, Andrea, and um, I want to give you a case and tell me how you'd handle this. So you're called to the neonatal intensive care unit because there's a, a male baby that was born, and they either cannot see the anus or they believe that the anus is just too small, or maybe they're saying that it's maybe anteriorly located, how do you manage that patient?
1: So your first mission is to go to the neonatal intensive care unit and carefully exam the perineum to determine if the patient indeed has an anorectal malformation or not. Patients with anorectal malformation with good prognosis for bowel control, they will have a well-formed buttocks with a good midline groove and a good anal dimple. Patients with malformations with bad prognosis for bowel control will have a flat bottom and not clear delineation of the anal dimple. If we're dealing with a male patient, it's very important to remember that there are different manifestations of a rectoperineal fistula. And in some cases, the hole is extremely small, and if you don't suspect and carefully look for it, it can be missed. Concerning the size to determine if it's a small anus or if it's a normal caliber anus, it is important to remember that in a newborn baby, one should be able to accommodate a number 12 Hager dilator. That would be a normal anus. So once you determine that the baby has an anorectal malformation, a rectoperineal fistula, Then you should concentrate in ruling out important associated defects during the first 24 hours before even thinking about taking the patient to the operating room.
0: How do you determine that an anus is anterior besides the dimple? Is there a measurement trick you can use?
1: So we don't even say anterior because we don't like the term anterior anus. Okay because it goes with what's the definition of an anus. An anus has to have a normal caliber, what I just mentioned that in a newborn would be a number 12 Hager, but it should also be surrounded completely by sphincter mechanism. And that's not what we see in a perineal fistula. In a perineal fistula it's a small caliber and it's not completely surrounded by sphincter. Just by looking at the discoloration of the skin, you can see that the sphincter mechanism in a rectoperineal fistula, it's like in a horseshoe shape. So the posterior and lateral portions have a sphincter, but the anterior does not have sphincter.
0: Okay, so you're looking at, and I'm glad you corrected me, and I want to say that again, that it's not an anterior ectopic anus; it is actually a perineal fistula. Exactly. And and you look at really how it looks on the outside. You're not. I was once taught to measure the the distance between the tip of the coccyx and the the bottom of the of the uh, the scrotum. Is that not really a, a good measurement trick?
1: I think it's unnecessary.
0: Okay, okay, good. That's a, that's really actually pretty enlightening for me. Um, all right, Andrea. So. Talk to me about, you go to see this child and you're, you are concerned that there's a perineal fistula. What other malformations do you have to rule out and look for? And then what sort of studies would you order?
1: Perfect. So in all anorectal malformations, we have to rule out the associated common anomalies. So esophageal atresia would be one, and it can be ruled out by trying to place a nasogastric tube remembering that 8% of patients with anorectal malformation will have esophageal atresia. It is also important to rule out cardiac anomalies, and you can do that with an echocardiogram if you have it available, or with a good physical examination looking for murmurs. 30% of the patients with anorectal malformation will have cardiac anomalies, but in only 10% of them, these anomalies are hemodynamically significant. A baby gram, that's a radiograph of the entire body, looking for abnormalities of the spine, like hemivertebra, extra ribs, double bubble sign representing a duodenal atresia, kidney ultrasound to rule out hydronephrosis, 50% of patients with anorectal malformation have associated urological defects, Spinal ultrasound to rule out tetrachord, 25% of patients have tetrachord, and last but not least, a radiograph of the sacrum, anterior, posterior, and lateral. With that, you want to rule out a hemisacrum that is associated with a presacral mass, and you also want to calculate the sacral ratio that correlates with future functional prognosis for bowel control. If during the first examination one could not identify the fissure, the patient should be re-examined after 24 hours. It takes time for the air to travel distally to the rectum to become distended to increase the intraluminal pressure, overcoming the muscle tone of the surrounding sphincter mechanism. It also requires a significant pressure for the meconium to pass through a tiny or Urethra, a tiny perineal or urethral fistula. Now, if no meconium is seen in the perineum, then you can order a cross table lateral film with the pelvis elevated to try to identify the distal air representing the rectum. This study should never be done before 24 hours of life because it will give the false impression of a quote unquote high malformation due to the muscle tone that I just mentioned.
0: Okay, so uh, I want to ask a question. You did say in the beginning you can get an echo or a good physical exam looking for murmurs. So I know that we discussed that a lot here. If you hear no murmurs, are you sometimes satisfied with that?
1: If it's a newborn and I'm here at Cincinnati Children's and I'm thinking about putting the patient under anesthesia, I order an echocardiogram. Okay. But if in a, I am in a place where I don't have one available and the patient is completely stable and the physical exam is completely normal, I think you are safe to put him under anesthesia without an echocardiogram.
0: Okay. And that's a good point to make. And the other question is, you mentioned the spinal ultrasound to rule out tethered cord. Um, how? At what age do you have to start getting MRI?
1: Three months. Okay. If the baby is less than three months, it's good enough to see with a spinal ultrasound. After that, because of the ossification process, you will need an MRI to correctly see the tetrachord.
0: And when do you, let's say there is a tethered cord, how do you time that out with your repair and what do you do first?
1: That's a very controversial subject, tetrachord. Tetrachord. Once we detect the tetrachord, our general guideline for the parents is that from our observations, tetrachord has more influence in the urinary tract rather than in the gastrointestinal tract, meaning in terms of prognosis, tetrachord usually affects more the urinary tract. Uh, We would not delay our repair based on tetrachord. Normally we repair the malformation and then the neurosurgeon sees the patient. If there is a large myelomeningocele defect, then it's a different scenario.
0: Right, got it, okay. Well, what if you find a hemisacrum?
1: If you find a hemisacrum, you are obligated to rule out a presacral mass. And in this case, an MRI would be indicated to see the presacral mass and also to determine its relationship with the spinal canal and better prepare you for surgery, meaning if you should have a neurosurgeon with you or not. At the time of the rectal repair, the presacral mass should also be addressed and removed. And the significance of finding a presacral mass is that it usually changes the prognosis for bowel and urinary control. Remembering that those presacral mass they are most commonly found in malformations with good prognosis such as rectoperineal fistula, rectovestibular fistula and rectoatresia. But when the presacral mass is present then the prognosis change.
0: Okay. Great. Thanks, Andrea. So now twenty four hours have passed and you've got the results of your tests. you found that say, there's no uh, abnormalities, now what do you do with this patient after 24 hours?
1: And it comes the moment to decide between primary repair that can be done immediate or electively or colostomy with a delayed repair. And to decide which way to go, you should take into consideration many factors, including the surgeon's experience on newborn repair, the condition of the patient, and the local circumstances surrounding the patient and the surgeon. For example, if we're dealing with a baby that is too small, a preemie, have a cardiac problem, and a rectoperineal perineal fistula, there is no urgency in repairing the anorectal malformation. If the patient is stooling satisfactorily, you can wait until the patient is stable enough to tolerate the operation. If the patient is having some trouble to pass stool, a gentle dilation can be done just to allow for the stool to be evacuated. In this case, you're not truly dilating the patient. You just want the stool to be evacuated without difficulties. So a number 6, 7, or a number 8 Hager is more than enough for that goal to be achieved. If the surgeon is experienced with the newborn repair, The hospital has a good anesthesiologist with experience in dealing with newborns, there is total parenteral nutrition available, then a primary repair could be done. The advantage of a primary newborn repair is that a bowel preparation is not required since the meconium is considered sterile. The last scenario is a surgeon that does not have experience with primary repair and decides to do a colostomy. There is nothing wrong in doing a colostomy and it is for sure the safest way to approach an anorectal malformation. It is actually better to open a colostomy and have a perfect operation than to do a primary repair, have a complication such as dehiscence, retraction that requires a re-operation. We like to say that patients with an anorectal malformation have one chance to have the right operation. Secondary operations or re-operations usually change the prognosis for bowel control in these patients. All right, Andrea, so what if,
0: and, and I know that, that I, I'm going to have a question for you later about the specifics of the colostomy, but let's take a different track here. Let's say uh, the baby's born, but it's a female. What would be different in what you've already told us about these patients?
1: In females, it is also important to pull the labia in order to clearly see the urethra and the vagina as two separate orifices. It is important to make sure that the patient actually has a vagina. You don't want that to be a surprise in the operating room. If you think that there is a vestibular fistula present, it will be exactly in the midline, immediately posterior of the vagina. You should try to use a number 8 French feeding tube to catheterize the fistula if you cannot see it. Just remember, vestibular fistula is the most common type of anomaly. If you're examining a patient, a female patient, and you cannot see the fistula, try to probe it with a number 8 French feeding tube. Most likely, you will be able to find a recto-vestibular fistula.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned that. So let's go to a different scenario now, Andrea. So a baby's born and nobody noticed that there was anything wrong with the anus, Uh, but you receive a call from the pediatrician asking you to give a second opinion about the child that has a rectoperineal or recto vestibular fistula, but is growing, eating, and pooping, but suffers from constipation. So this is a baby that it wasn't detected immediately, but it was detected later on, and he's doing okay, growing, eating, and pooping, but he is having some constipation. How do you manage that?
1: So unfortunately, In our dream world, we would dream that this would never happen, that all patients would have their diagnosis correctly at birth. And the reason is the scenario that you just gave me, the patient is doing well, which is great. It's not a big deal. But we have seen patients that were not diagnosed and they almost perforate and they almost die from this misdiagnosis. So in the scenario that you gave me, there is absolutely no rush. I would see this patient in clinic, examine the perineum, confirm the diagnosis of an anorectal malformation, explain to the parents what it is and how the operation is going to be. And while we are looking to electively book the case, I would order studies to rule out associated anomalies. In this case, some of the associated anomalies you don't have to rule out because they have been already ruled out. So we're going to get a sacral X-ray, AP and lateral, kidney ultrasound, spinal ultrasound if the baby is less than three months of age or a spinal MRI if the baby is more than three months of age. In this case, because the baby is already home eating, we'll need a complete bowel preparation prior to surgery.
0: Okay. What kind of bowel prep do you do?
1: We do go lightly. So okay. we admit the patient the day before with a na- nasogastric tube and we run 25 mL per kilo per hour in cycles of Four hours until the patient is completely cleaned.
0: Okay, great. So let's go back to what we were talking about before. And now, the, you know, the baby's in the NICU, um, and there, you examine the perineum, and you cannot identify a rectal perineal fistula. You see nothing there. 24 hours go by, you go back, and there's no signs of meconium still in the perineum there is actually uh, an impression that there is a meconium mixed with the urine uh, by the nurses and when you've gone by as well. So now what do you do in this situation? It looks like there might be a fistula.
1: Okay. So we're talking again about a male newborn that the anus was not identified. Mm -hmm. So the screening for associated defects should be the same as we just described in the first scenario. And now we are dealing with a male patient, possibly with a rectourethral urethral buber fistula, rectal prosthetic, or rectobladder neck fistula. We would only know for sure the type of malformation that we are dealing with after opening a colostomy and doing what we consider the most important study for male patients that is called the high-pressure distal colostrogram. The opening of the colostomy is an operation frequently underestimated by many surgeons, but it should be taken as seriously as the main repair. A wrong colostomy opening might have serious future consequences.
0: This concludes Part 1 of Anal Rectal Malformations. The discussion with Dr. Bischoff and Dr. Ponsky continues with Anal Rectal Malformations Part 2, Surgical Technique.